the Mind for Life podcast. The Mind for Life podcast. Where your thinking can change your life. And now, here's your host, Jeff Bogazic. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind for Life podcast. My name is Jeff Bogazic, and I will be your host here for the next half hour or so, where we talk about ways that you can think, learn, and live a little bit better. Thank you so, so very much for tuning in. It is great to have you with us today. And we are going to be continuing in our series on the 52 essential skills that you need for success in business and life. And today we're going to be talking about enthusiasm, enthusiasm and passion and how you can find ways to generate enthusiasm in your life. I think one of the qualities that sets successful people apart from those who may not have as much success is the ability for people to find ways to be enthusiastic about what they're doing, to find ways to enjoy what they're doing in life, to be enthusiastic and not to always walk through life with shoulders slumped and a downward gaze and a pessimistic attitude. People like optimists. People follow optimists. If you're a leader, optimism is a huge quality that inspires others, that brings them along beside you and encourages them to do great and wonderful things. And so enthusiasm is right there with optimism, to be enthusiastic, to be excited about your, what you're doing and about where you're going and about your future. I think that is such a critical characteristic and we might even say very much undervalued. Enthusiasm is an undervalued characteristic, or in this case, we might want to call it a skill. And once again, you think of enthusiasm maybe in two ways. Um, You think of it as an attitude, right? Something that you possess, a mindset, a perspective, a stance, if you will, that you take towards something, an enthusiastic stance, an enthusiastic attitude. But we also want to explore, are there ways that you can generate enthusiasm, that you can develop it as a discipline or as a skill. And we're going to talk about that a little bit on this podcast. But before we get into it, I want to encourage you, if you will, to note that the show notes for this episode, which include links to everything that we talk about, as well as ways that you can join us on the 52 Essential Skills course, the Mind for Life 52 Essential Skills course for 2018, where we explore each week one of the different 52 Essential Skills. This week, of course, we're talking, as I mentioned, about enthusiasm. And last week, we talked about the characteristic of continual learning. And I'm very grateful that my article on continual learning was picked up by Business Insider. So I'm very, very proud of that. But you can go back and if you click on the start here link at the very top of our page and just hover there, actually don't click, but just hover there, you'll see a drop down box that shows the essential skills course resource page and all of the resources that I kind of compile or curate in order when I'm exploring these topics and I'm 
uh, trying to develop them in myself. And I guess you could say that was the impetus for starting this course was for me to look at what are the, the, the top skills that I think I need in order to be able to be successful in my life, with my family, with my wife, in my relationships with other people, but as well in the business world. And I think those two areas are related in some ways and in some ways distant. And we're not going to talk about that today. But I was looking through what are the things that I need to do. And I decided to take this journey. And as I'm going on this journey, I'm researching things, looking at academic study, seeing what people have to say about each of these 52 essential skills in an effort to learn better myself. And so if you'd like to join us, there is a 52 Essential Skills downloadable assessment. It's a free download. You go to the webpage um, and the show notes are at mindforlife.org slash 051. You go to the webpage, download the assessment, just kind of see where you are. Take, an, take the assessment yourself, give it to someone that you trust and someone that knows you really well and have them fill it out for you. And I think that gives you a broader perspective on some of the things that you're good at, some of the skills that you do very well or that you possess, uh, and but also gives you an idea of some of the areas that you need improvement. So on that assessment allows you to kind of like tally things up and then see which are your top 10 and then which are your bottom 10. And so again, you want to, uh, using the Pareto principle, right, the top 20% will give you 80% of the return. If you're looking for a career path, you might want to pursue one that fits well within the top 10 of the, or the top five or 10 of those 52 skills. But that doesn't mean you don't want to work on the ones at the bottom in order to improve. And so there's resources for every single one of those skills and all of the things that are there on that page. So I want to encourage you to do that. Also want to encourage you if you are interested in joining our Facebook community. So on the Facebook community, as I find resources, I share them there and we comment on it. People have opportunities to read through stuff and kind of share information share knowledge, keep one another accountable. And so uh, the link for that is on the webpage as well, mindforlife.org slash zero five one. All right, let's get into how to create enthusiasm. And I don't know if we want to talk about enthusiasm and passion as being the same thing, but I think that passion, like having a passion for something, uh, can, can, can mean having an enthusiasm for something, but our enthusiastic attitude can come out of the the passion that we have to do certain things in life. And when we're not enthusiastic, the deeper sense of passion, the thing that really inspires us to do something, can fire that enthusiasm up. And so they, they, are, this, they are related, passion and enthusiasm. You can, however, I think, be enthusiastic for things that you may not be passionate about. Um, and that may be the secret that we're looking for here as we explore this topic. How can you find ways to be enthusiastic about things that you may not be passionate for? Because let's be honest, we all have to do things in life that we don't like doing. And if we're able to do those things with enthusiasm, with optimism, right? If we're able to do those things in that way, it makes us more successful. I think it rubs off on people around us and helps to make the organization and your life better. Um, so if you're enthusiastic about doing things in your house with your family, your family will, uh, that, that may be like a, um, a magnetic 
attitude or spirit that rubs off on other people. And so how can you find ways to be enthusiastic, not just about things you're passionate about, but also the things that you may not be as passionate about? Enthusiasm is a bit of a mystery. I mean, if you want to get philosophical about it, where does it come from? Why is it, ask yourself, that we are enthusiastic about some things and not about other things? What is the difference? And we can say, oh, I like those things. Well, why do we like those things? Is it that we have been conditioned to like those things uh, from our past or from what we've grown up knowing? Um, is it something that is inherent within our desires and likes? And I don't know if you, you're a person that might say the desires and the likes and the things that we enjoy are social constructs, things that come up because of our conditioning out of our past. I'm not sure that that's completely not the case, but I'm not sure that that's completely the case either. Is enthusiasm a feeling that just randomly pops up in our emotional life? Why is it that at specific times in our life, we may have a tendency to be more enthusiastic to do things, while at other times in our life, we may not? Maybe there's times when we have this general sense of malaise. We're just kind of like wandering through a fog and not very particularly enthusiastic about anything. But there's other times when Things seem to be clear. The sun seems to be shining and we just are enthusiastic about getting and going. Why is it maybe that in the spring or in the summer on a sunny day, we we may have this energy, we may have this enthusiasm to begin doing things, but on other days when it's rainy or when it's a little bit downcast, we, we may not have the same enthusiasm. Another question to think about, are there certain triggers in your um, psyche or in your psychological being that you can control to ignite, if you will, the flame of enthusiasm. Wouldn't it be great if you could wink your left eye five times and turn on enthusiasm in order to motivate you to do the things that you don't want to do? Is it like that? Are there things that we can do physically or psychologically psychological hacks, if you will, that can help to turn on enthusiasm when we need it the most? Is it even possible, you might say, to develop the discipline to learn how to do that regularly when you need to? I'm not sure. And that's something that I want to explore. And I think that last question kind of holds the key. If you could turn on enthusiasm like a switch... What would that be like? How much more would you be able to accomplish? How much more would you be able to get done, right? The things that hold us back are the things that we don't want to do, right? We don't want to do something. We put it off. We put it off. We put it off. We're not enthusiastic. We're not optimist. Maybe we're afraid of it. Maybe we fear it, whatever it may be. But if we could find a way to flip the switch, to, to turn enthusiasm on towards that specific thing, it would push us. It would motivate us. We're excited about doing it. You can't really gin up, if you will, or fabricate enthusiasm for things that you don't like. Or can you? Or can you? You know, some of the things that we like to do, some of the things that we love to do, have been conditioned into us. 
as well as some of the things we don't like to do. We typically don't like to do things that are difficult or challenging or force us to use an extraordinary amount of mental energy. But there are other things that we enjoy doing and we like doing, but they also require that we use an incredible amount of mental energy. Someone once asked me, do you like writing? Right? I've been writing articles and we write an article every week on one of these topics. Do I like writing? And I think the answer to that question is, I like having written <laughs> right? In other words, I like it when it's done, uh, but it is. it takes an incredible amount of energy and, you know, mental energy and mental fortitude and strength to sit down in front of the blank page and try to create something. There's research involved. There's learning involved. There's parsing words and constructing sentences and going back and editing and re-editing and trying to find ways to make it sound better so that it will be able to be read by a multitude of people and wider variety of, of audiences. So it's hard work. But when I'm done with something... I feel really good about it. I feel like, wow, that was great. I really enjoyed that process. I had a great time. But then the fear comes again, right? And you have to kind of find a way to develop an enthusiasm. And so, you know, one of the one of the secrets that I try to do is to say, let me try to remember the feeling that I got when I had completed the last one. And it doesn't always work. But are there things like that? Are there things that you can use? Um, and one of the things that I thought was very interesting, and I've been researching, obviously, as a PhD candidate in rhetoric, looking into communication. And one of the ways that we, there, there are three types of communication, and I, I wrote an article on the three types of communication that every leader needs to be able to master. The first one is mass communication, and that means basically learning how to communicate vision to a group of people, right? How to uh, communicate to your team, how to communicate to your organization, how to inspire, how to motivate, how to cast a vision. So a leader needs to be able to develop that. The second one is interpersonal communication. So a leader needs to be able to know how to master the art of dealing with people in one-on-one -on -one interpersonal situations, to communicate compassion and concern and care and empathy and help and you know mentorship or support or whatever it may be. You need to be able to listen and to hear what they're saying and to not just want to say what you want to say. And so there's a lot that goes into that. And we'll be talking about that a little bit more uh, later on in this year when we get to, to the communication skills. But the third one is intrapersonal communication. And intrapersonal communication is our communication with ourself. What are the narratives that we're speaking to ourselves every day? What are the stories? What are the what are the what are the lines uh, of dialogue that we're having with ourselves every day? Are we able to communicate to ourselves positive messages, or are we destroying our psyche? Are we destroying ourselves with destructive communication that's tearing us down on the inside? Well, one of the ways that we communicate is not not just through our thoughts or through the words that we say, but through our bodies, nonverbal communication. And our bodies communicate more than the words that we say. The typical statistic is 93% of communication is nonverbal. 
That means things like uh, your your gestures, your body posture, your facial expressions, the way you roll your eyes or don't roll your eyes. You know, uh, all of those type of things. Uh, your your proximity to another person when you're talking, the distance between you. You know, all of those things communicate a message, and. In her TED Talk, Amy Cuddy, who is famous for this TED Talk, by the way, and we will put the link to that on the show notes page, but talks about how not only does our body communicate messages to other people. In other words, if I'm dejected or I'm I'm feeling depressed or sad, my shoulders will slump, my head will kind of hold over. I will typically want to close my body up by crossing my arms or crossing my legs. And and when people see that, it communicates a message. That's why you can walk into a room and kind of get a vibe of what's going on. If people are angry, there's, you know, you you may have experienced a time when you've walked into a room and you've just felt tension. Well, where do you get that feeling from? That's from the body language that you're perceiving of the way that people look when you walk into that room and you pick that up. And we have, you know, um, I guess you might say instincts that allow us to kind of sense how people are feeling because their bodies give off a message. Well, our bodies do the same thing, but in her research, what she found was that our bodies can also be a key part of intrapersonal communication. Not just that our body language communicates to other people, but that our body language can also communicate to us, can communicate back to us. And and so what she talked about, and you can watch the TED Talk, and if you want, I'll even leave a link to her actual study. What she found was that when you are intentional about your body posture, your body language. When you are intentional about, um, through your body, using messages that convey victory and confidence, that that then sends a message back to yourself that can in fact change your mood and change your feeling. We go through life and when we are confident, our bodies uh, have certain postures. And so she, she did the research and she called them the power poses, uh, power poses that convey power, that convey dominance, that convey confidence, right? And the one of the ones is the Superman or Wonder Woman pose where you're standing there with your shoulders back and your chest out and your arms, uh, hands on your hip. You know, it's a power pose. Your feet spread a little bit wide. You stand there and you convey this sense of confidence. Like I'm on, I'm the king of the world, right? I'm on top of the world. I'm in control here. Uh, another power pose is, uh, the arms raised in, in victory. Like if you, if you, see anybody that goes through a finish line or, or that gets a victory or wins a championship, what do they, they score a touchdown? What's the first thing to do? Arms go up, right? It's like, I, I, I won here. And, and that, that pose, your, sh- your feet wide, your, your hands up in the air, your head back, your chest out, that conveys a message, not only to other people, but it also does it back to yourself, Another power pose that you typically see is the steepling of hands. When you stand and you see somebody with their hands steepled together or sitting at a desk, that uh, that conveys 
a sense of confidence. Um, when you see someone sitting at a desk with their feet kicked back up on the desk and their hands behind their head and leaning back, that's kind of a power pose. And what she found, which was amazing in her research, was that these power poses, that body language, literally can change the biochemistry within your body. And she talks about it in relation to the levels of cortisol and testosterone. And she did the study and she, uh, she took subjects and allowed them to walk into med, took baseline measurements of their cortisol and their testosterone. And um, cortisol and testosterone, of course, are two hormones produced by our bodies. And uh, cortisol is a hormone that acts as an anti-inflammatory. It can influence our memory or blood pressure. And um, when people have low levels of confidence or maybe even like depression, symptoms of depression, it's been noted that their, their levels of cortisol are higher than the baseline. Testosterone, on the other hand, is a hormone that allows, uh, that affects our disposition, our status, the, it gives the appearance of dominance. So in other words, when our testosterone rises, our dominant behaviors rise as well. And so what she did in the studies, it's a fascinating study, and if you get a chance, please watch the talk. She would have people to take measurements of baseline cortisol, baseline testosterone, then have people go and do these power poses. In other words, for two minutes or three minutes, just go stand with your hands up, your head back, just like you had won the race or scored a touchdown or, or done the window warm-up. And what she noted was that after posing for two to three minutes, it literally would change the levels of cortisol and testosterone within someone's body. In other words, power posing allowed, uh, communicated something back to the body that allowed it to release testosterone, more testosterone and less cortisol. And so posing your body language communicates back to you and it, uh, it changes your biochemistry, which in turn changes your mood. And not only does it affect you, but other people noticed as well. In other words, they did this test and then after they would have somebody power pose, they would send them into an interview and uh, like a job interview. And that person, the, it came back that the people in the, in the interviews who saw the people that had done the power posing reported that they were more confident, that they were more hireable than the people who had not done the power posing. And so the fact of standing somewhere and changing your body posture, the fact that it can in turn go back and change your biochemistry and then in turn affect your mood and then in turn affect the perception that other people have about you is an amazing thing. You, you might even want to call it a superpower. You have the ability by doing things with your body, actual physical actions that can change your biochemistry, that can affect your mood, and then can affect the perception that other people have about you. So, what does this mean for enthusiasm? I would submit to you that if you are unenthusiastic and dejected, it may be the case that your testosterone levels are low and your cortisol levels are high, that you just don't feel inspired. We know that um, 
in studies that testosterone rises when we have to take on new challenges. When people go into the arena, they they have to take on challenges or they go into competition. Just the thought of going into competition raises the testosterone levels. But we also know from Dr. Cuddy's study that if you were to power pose, if you were to put your body in a position for a specific period of time, you can almost hack your biochemistry and start the process of releasing specific hormones that will enable you to be more excited, more competitive, more enthusiastic about doing things rather than being less enthusiastic and less excited. So your posture, your body language matters, not just in what you're saying to other people, but in what you're saying to yourself. And so if you're lacking enthusiasm, one thing you may be able to do to kind of change that or create that is to develop good posture, to stand up straight and tall with your shoulders back, to, right? What does that communicate? It communicates. I'm confident about myself. You're looking the world in the eye and not shirking back from the challenges that you must face. You stand up straight and tall. In other words, take a stance in your being. Look the world in the eye. If you have to, take some time to power pose, right? And in doing these things, it can start to Start the process of changing your hormone levels, changing your mood, allowing you to be enthusiastic about doing things you may not be enthusiastic about, and then, and even maybe you could say most importantly, changing the way that other people see you. One resource that I would encourage you to read on this is the first chapter of Dr. Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. And he talks about, the, and that's where I got this, this one point from, stand up straight and tall with your shoulders back. He talks about hierarchical levels in all societies, even in the case of lobsters, that there are hierarchies, power structures, and for the people on top of those power structures, they get all the benefits. Whether it's a lobster, whether it's a businessman, CEO, the people on top get all the benefits. The people on the bottom get crapped on. And the way other people look at you, when we look at someone else, we almost automatically make an assessment of where they are on that hierarchy, on that power structure. And where do we make that judgment from? We make it from the body language that they portray. We look at them. We notice how they dress, how they carry themselves, what they look like. Are they communicating with their body a sense that I'm powerful, um, I'm confident, I know what I'm doing, I know where I'm going, right? When we see someone like that, we automatically put them up on a higher level. And there's kind of like a feedback loop he talks about that when someone perceives us in a particular way, we get the sense of how they perceive us and we kind of like respond to that and continue to do the same thing. So if you are... A person who's on top, you're confident about your life, about what you're doing, 
you know that other, you begin to see that other people put you in that position and then you get more confident. You get more confident. It just kind of builds on itself. But at the same time, if you're not confident, if you uh, don't feel that you are living up to your potential, other people see you that way. They notice it in your body language, your, sh- your shrugged shoulders. You kind of walk with a, you know, maybe a little bit of a shuffle or you, you don't you don't seem like you're striding through life with confidence. And then people perceive that and they put you on the lower level and then you kind of like stoop down to that level. So one of the things that you can do right away to kind of shift that is to stand up straight and tall with your shoulders back. Stand up, be confident, change your posture, change the message that your body is sending to other people, but not only what it's sending to them, but what also what it's sending and communicating back to you intrapersonally. Stand up straight and tall with your shoulders back. Power pose. Take some time to put your hands up when you're not enthusiastic about doing something. Put your hands up in the air just for a couple of minutes. I know this from a fact. It feels ridiculous. You stand there in a bathroom stall before you have to give a presentation or something like that with your hands up in the air and you're for two minutes, right? But li- listen, it changes your hormonal balances. That's the research. And in doing so, it changes your mood. It changes your enthusiasm. It gives you more confidence to be able to handle the things that life is going to throw your way. Now, let me make one caveat. Just by lifting your hands in a bathroom stall isn't going to give you knowledge of a presentation that you've got no business doing. You have no knowledge about, you know, you're ignorant about it. You know, just going in there confident does not substitute for competence. You need to be competent, but most of the time it's the competent people who don't feel very confident. For some reason, that seems like an irony, right? The incompetent people seem to have this overwhelming sense of confidence and the competent people look at them and go, I wish I could be as confident as they are, when in fact they are far more competent than the incompetent people. So I don't know why that sometimes is, you know, kind of a paradox, but if you're struggling with confidence, if you're struggling with enthusiasm, if you're struggling with looking the world in the eye and walking confident through, confidently through life, one of the things that might help is to stand up straight and tall with your shoulders back, practice some power posing. And the final thing is this, develop a daily consistent routine. Develop a daily consistent routine. You know that our emotional states are affected by how much sleep we get, right? Sleep deprivation has been known to impair our immune regulation. It is uh, known to affect our metabolism. It has been known to affect um, our neurocognitive processes like learning and memory, but sleep also affects our emotions, And without an adequate amount of sleep, we lose the emotional tools that we need in order to handle the negative things that happen to us or just even the little frustrating things that happen to us in life. You know of someone, I'm sure of it, 
who doesn't get enough, who at some point doesn't get enough sleep or misses sleep and then they're just a bear, right? They're in an emotional basket case. They can't control because they're, 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 they don't have the, the adequate rest to be able to handle the, the life that they must be able to handle. And you know that happens and maybe that's happened to you. You know when you don't get enough sleep and you try to walk through life and everybody gets on your last nerve and you're just walking on eggshells, you know, waiting for something to just kind of like get you upset. Well, you need to have those, they call them circadian uh, rhythms. Those circadian rhythms we need in our life. And that starts with getting enough sleep. And when, when we have enough sleep and when we are on a predictable circadian rhythm, it really helps us emotionally and allows us to go into the day with an optimistic perspective. How do you do that? The research shows that you just get up at the same time every day. It's not as much when you go to bed. Granted, you can't go to bed at 3 a.m. and think you're going to get up at 6. You have to get 6 to 8 hours that, you know, all the studies will show you that. But you have to try to get up at the same time every day. That begins the process of setting a predictable circadian rhythm in your life. You can control your environment, in other words, by getting up at the same time every day. You control your environment and put your body in the absolute best biochemical state to deal with the emotional curves that life throws at you or the different things that come into your life. So, Develop a, di- a consistent daily routine. And I think if you try those things, practice power posing when you're not feeling confident, right? When you're not feeling enthusiastic, when you don't want to do something, go somewhere and stand like Wonder Woman. Go somewhere and stand like Superman. Put your chest out. Look up in the air. Furrow your brow and look at, th- look at, look at life with confidence, right? Uh, practice power posing. Make sure that you develop good posture. Your body, listen, your body's continually, you might say, oh, well, can I slump here? Can I slouch here? Your body's constantly sending you a message. Your body is constantly speaking out to the world, but also back to other people. When you're lazy, when, you, you're, when you're lazy and you slouch and you get depressed and you, you get into the sense of a general malaise, right? You, you can change that whole thing by changing your posture and being intentional about how you stand up and face the world. So stand up straight and tall, put your shoulders back, and then finally develop a consistent daily routine. Get up at the same time every day and Practice that for a week, a month, and see if you don't find yourself being more enthusiastic, being more passionate, being more optimistic about facing the world. Well, that's all for today. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast on how to create enthusiasm. Remember, the show notes for this are at mindforlife.org slash 051. And there, if you're interested, you can join us on the 52 Essential Skills course for 2018. Um, So sign up for that, download the free assessment, and join us on Facebook. Join our Facebook group. Contribute to the communal knowledge, if you will, and let's learn together and grow together on this personal development journey for 2018. I want to say thank you so much for listening to this program and we'll talk to you next time.